0: Why, hello there, priests. You have found the hardest book review podcast there is, where we digest life-changing books. We shit out greatness, and we change our lives one book at a time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? and here we go this is troy hollings with the curiously disagreeable podcast welcome back this is episode two of two of no second place winner our hero bill jordan is the hardest man we've ever had on this podcast since since goddamn colonel cooper and maybe even yamamoto in episode one he spent a lot of time extolling the virtues of the fast draw, while also teaching us some pistol shooting. And in this episode, we get to get into the meat, the how to survive, the tactical life lessons that knuckle-dragging baboons like us can take away and use to, yes, get rich, jacked, and become gods among men, or at least not die in a self-defense situation, into the book, The Handgun why a handgun a handgun bears the same relationship to a law enforcement officer that a hammer does to a carpenter if the analogy is not perfect neither is the tool where an officer knew that he was headed into trouble certainly a handgun would not be his choice of weapons it is difficult to shoot well inherently inaccurate compared to a rifle and lacking in power probably his first choice would be a shotgun here (laughs) we have the most efficient tranquilizer ever developed. Jesus Christ. Or if a shotgun was not available, then a rifle would get the nod over a handgun. But unfortunately, such prior knowledge is seldom available, and we need to come back to the original premise. The handgun is the tool of the peace officer's trade. It, and it alone, will probably be his sole companion when the chips are down. What it lacks and the other virtues are overbalanced by its portability and availability. So he's saying there's a lot of negatives of a handgun. You know, they're small. They're not that powerful. They're super inaccurate compared to a rifle. I got it. I I did. You know, I'm American. I bought bought an AR-15. I did. Okay, I did it. And the first time I shot it, I had these, uh, so I have steel targets set up. And first of all, like, I didn't realize how much more powerful the bullets are, so I accidentally like shot some holes in my fucking like new steel targets. And I'm like, God damn it. But um, it was shockingly easy. Like my 70 yard uh, target, which is like, I can hit it. If I shoot 10 times with the pistol, I can hit it five out of 10 times, which is like actually pretty good compared to normal people who couldn't hit it at all. But it's still like five out of 10. I used the the rifle and it was like nine out of 10. And the last one was because I got overconfident. But what he's saying, the thing is, you know, I can't, I I can still hit five out of 10 at 70 yards with a pistol. That's still pretty fucking good. And you can't take a goddamn rifle to, you know, Best Buy. I mean, you can, but you're going to get shot. And so what can you do? Well, you can, you can always have a pistol on you. So, from like a fragility perspective of NASA and Taleb, you you can't ain't nobody can predict shit. No one can predict anything. So, what do you do? You set up a system that can handle crazy shit. And so you can't predict when you're gonna need the rifle. So you just you can't rely on it. It's not even part of the calculus. So you have to have the pistol because you can predict that, hey, if you carry it every day you're probably going to have it when shit gets crazy this is again where he goes to um he goes into like the types of guns and the calibers and and none of it really applies that much anymore except to show that he was such a fucking innovator and i'm going to relatively skip most of that Um, suffice to say though that anything that we can buy from an upstanding manufacturer like you know, Ruger, Glock, Smith and Wesson. I mean, it's something that he could only have dreamed of, and he loves the 357 Magnum. Which, again, as we saw with with Jim Cirillo, when when are gun fighting with six six rounds, you know, the the bigger you know bear killing rounds are probably the way you need to go. But when you got 17 plus one, the calculus now is pretty much nine millimeter plus P self defense ammo. But where he was so innovative. And and this was like 50 years ahead of anybody even thinking of this. Is he used wax bullets? And so, what he was trying to do is he realized, you know, he got good enough at learning how to shoot that he taught himself, you know, how to learn. And he realized, like, oh, I shouldn't just be shooting regular bullets all the time because A, it's expensive, but B, like, think of the reps that I can get in. If I find a way to, you know, either dry practice, but like the negative of dry practice is you don't have fucking recoil. So he, he built these wax bullets and um, would practice with those. So it, like had the recoil, but it was a, you know, it didn't you didn't like accidentally kill Betty. When I look back down the years, I cannot help but shudder at the thousands of rounds of wad cutter and service loads I have fired in fast draw point shooting practice. The only defense for this foolishness is I did not know any better and I did not know the way. A more probable answer though is that being young and reckless in those days, I would have probably considered any substitute for the real thing as too sissified for anyone as rough and tough as I fancied myself to be. But the point here is so like I actually bought a 22 pistol and it turns out it was like the world's shittiest pistol and it like I had to buy a kit to make the sights work and even that like they were still six inches to the left at 15 yards which is like pretty bad and um so i put it in my vice and then i actually scratched it so much and it's the worst so i'm gonna buy a nicer 22 that hopefully just shoots like a normal gun like please just go where i point it um but I bought a 22 pistol to try to do the same thing because you know, shooting nine millimeter a so damn expensive because that's, you know, that's your carry concealed, you know, concealed carry gun many times is a nine millimeter, but or, a, you know, 45 or whatever, but like, man, so expensive. And also there's, there's a certain, like there's a certain limit to how many times you can shoot a gun with a huge recoil before like any human being starts developing the yips where you're like oh fuck it's going to go off and then you're like oh shit and then, you know you have the safety on and you obviously you know, show everyone that you're flinching whereas if you can practice with wax bullets or you know a 22 then you can you can get like the benefit of the recoil without accidentally you know burning in that flinch like there was this one time where i was getting my hunting rifle ready and um, it was an outdoor firing range and i was shooting my rifle which had a huge kick because i was an idiot and i just was like biggest caliber please and i got a 30 six which like is good and i'm good at shooting it now but like fuck it was a lot and um i was shooting that next to a guy shooting a fucking 50 caliber that had a muzzle brake on it which basically just like shot the air to the left and I happen to be the left, so I shot 20 rounds through my hunting rifle. And dude, by round like 17, I had the yips so bad that I couldn't even hit the paper. And my and so like the summary is the he's very innovative to think about using practice loads like wax bullets because you know the temptation is just like just live fire. But if you can get you know 20x the practice at half the x cost. And no yips, hey, maybe consider it. But now we're rolling into the two sections that caused this book to go on my list of insane, life changing books. We're going to talk about how he views combat shooting, which, you know, combat is like really, it markets really well. But what he's basically saying is effective shooting in the real world and gunfighting tools of the trade, combat style shooting. The most difficult of all types of firearms to learn to shoot accurately is the handgun. It must be supported by the hands alone at one point as compared to a rifle where it was the shoulder, the hands, and they all form three points. And I, you know, I, I know I mentioned this, but I noticed this with the AR uh, and I was like, holy shit, this is way closer to a gross motor skill. Because when you get that insanity adrenaline dump, what happens is you get really good at at swinging a hatchet, at running away from a bear, at doing big, gross motor skills, you know, lifting a car. But you don't get better at writing cursive, at typing, at using keys, or at using a pistol. So it wasn't designed to be a precision weapon. Its sole purpose was to be a close-range man-killer. But the fact remains, it was designed for self-defense at close to medium ranges and it is in this role that the handgun has greatest interest to the lawman. If we want to learn it, he says the only dependable way to learn to shoot a handgun is to start with deliberate slow aim fire. Good habits well learned stay with us for years, bad habits seem to stay forever. So what is combat shooting according to him? Well. Again, I'm like horribly unqualified for this, but dog, I like reading books, so listen up. Combat shooting, so-called, is not confined to any specific style or method. It ranges from fast point-blank hip shooting to slow aimed fire from a rest at long range. So he's saying combat shooting is just by its nature, whatever the situation calls for. In other words, it's the way. There's one common denominator. Its purpose is to get dis- is to get a disabling hit upon an opponent before he can do the same to you, regardless of how you go about it. Style is strictly secondary to effectiveness. One could say, that sounds a lot like the school of not having a school. Jesus Christ, it's coming full circle, Musashi! What the fuck? Now, this is where we're going into... The section that, if you care about expert performance, if you want to get better at shooting, if you've got to, you know, do fucking emergency surgery, this is where it matters. You know, Tim Ferriss, um, some blogger guy like Google him. He's overall net positive for humanity. But um, kind of annoying. He looks at outliers to inform when when he's learning something. So like, you know, if you found a guy who was a normal guy and he didn't use any drugs or coercion and he didn't have that much more money, but he had 700 girlfriends, you'd want to know what's going on. Like, hey man, um, can you you tell me how you have that? Because like, one's a lot. Or if you found a salesman that's you know who's making 30 million dollars in sales in a year and all of his other people in the department are making like two you you'd be like hey buddy you want to teach everybody how you do sales because if you can go to the void to the edge and come back with the truth that's where the learning is and so here we've got somebody who's mastered two opposite things a fine motor skill like using judgment and restraint as fast as humanly possible, in the midst of a bigger adrenaline rush than any of us have ever experienced. A.K.A. performing under pressure. Quick story from Bill, illustrating this. Several years ago, Harlan Carter, later chief of the U.S. Border Patrol, was glumly reviewing scores after a pistol match. He was replaying the competition in his mind, wishing that he hadn't made that little twitch that cost him first place. Second... It was at this unfortunate moment that he was approached by a well-meaning individual who congratulated him on his performance. Carter's face turned a caloric red, his neck swelled a full inch to size 19, but with admirable restraint, before stalking away stiff-legged, he merely, merely remarked with great dignity, I wouldn't wish second place on my worst enemy. He's a sad hombre. But his unhappy plight can well be envied by the man who comes out second in a pistol duel. Now this is in all caps. Bill says, there is no second place winner in a gunfight. That sage remark is of unrivaled importance to the enforcement officer. Nothing he can buy from a life insurance firm takes the place of his ability to shoot fast and accurately. Jesus, <laughs> you're right. Great point. Store-bought insurance will make his wife rich, but it will be someone else who helps her spend the settlement. Oh my God, that's fucking cold-blooded, Bill. The kind of life insurance he can buy with competent gun handling is obviously more practical. And he likes pistol competitions. But however, the fact remains that these are all games and should be considered as such. So what is real combat equipment? By now, the answer is hopefully obvious. Real combat equipment is that gun and holster you carry 40 hours per week plus overtime. That's the one thing you're going to be wearing when the trouble starts. In this book, fundamentals of the types of shooting most likely to be useful in combat have been treated in such length in some length Study of these and other articles can form a basis on which an officer can prepare himself for combat situations. But from this point a literary hiatus is encountered. If anything instructed, if anything instructive has been written on the subject of gunfighting, it has remained obscure. And this is why we're here, priest, because he says there's no manual on gunfighting. The only objective in gunfighting is to live. And either capture or kill your opponent feeling the need of some guidelines of survival but realizing that no hard and fast rules can apply this section of the book will be devoted to a discussion of a few tricks of the trade imagine being such a man that you can use the phrase tricks of the trade when talking about gunfighting not like tricks of a trade of being an accountant like oh you know just a quick trick of the trade and you know if you put this number here the credits and debits will balance no gunfighting this information presented while neither new nor startling has been passed around campfires and over coffee tables by fighting men the world over and is for the most part completely simple and obvious the first is that there's no fucking rules. A competitor in a pistol match would be thrown off the line for unsportsmanlike conduct if he tried to take an unfair advantage for himself. This is an attitude which must be quickly and firmly suppressed in mental conditioning for combat. Here is a game in which you cannot afford to be a good loser or any kind of loser. In a gunfight, you must take every advantage possible advantages that can be taken must be taken twist this fucking dick okay so that seems aggressive but that that's actually a meme so there's a the the camera pans over and there's this wasted guy obviously wasted but like funny so everybody's okay with it because like the worst type of wasted guys are the ones like trying to fight everybody so funny wasted guy who's who goes and it's a quiet crowd cuz it's like covid times i think and there's not that many people at this like you know kind of local bar amateur mma fight and this guy goes twist his fucking dick and you know everybody in the crowd's like what no there's rules man no and then you know he just goes twist it and uh it became a meme on the internet i've got this great friend and he just um he just loves to send me things related to that so i I figured you're right sometimes in a gunfight one must twist his dick he moves on to it's really hard to do a, a good trigger pull in the stress of combat he says consider if you will how this pressure is intensified under combat conditions the desire to appear well is replaced by the desire to appear at all. You are struck with the realization that your opposition is a man who is trying to kill you and that in the next instant the world may have to find someone else to revolve around. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hello. Here is where training takes you or breaks you. And th- and this matters because... This is the same as doing, you know, high stress surgery or giving the largest client presentation of your life or, you know, talking to the hottest girl ever or proposing or whatever. And there's a question asked by young officers a lot. It's how, how would I do? How would I respond? You know, and if you're a concealed carrier or you maybe have a firearm as part of your self-defense plan, you have to ask yourself that as well a question often asked of themselves by young officers is how will I comport myself in the face of fire? Will I stand or will I break? On the surface, that seems like a question that can only be answered if that becomes an actuality. So he's saying, on the surface, it seems like the only way to answer beast or bitch is to to shoot at him and see how he responds. As a matter of fact, though, that answer can be given with very little chance of error. So he's saying, but there's a way. You know, you don't have to wait to get into a gunfight to know if you're if you're good enough. Because he says almost invariably a man, provided he is, does not have too much time to think, will automatically do what he's been trained to do. Again, provided that his training has been thorough and intensive. So that's great. So that's saying, you know, oh my God, am I going to be able to shoot the deer? Like, oh, I'm so scared. The solution is intense practice. Because you... You play how you practice. And then so he tells the story of one of his officer friends being pinned down by a guy with a 30 30 rifle at 200 yards. So, like, that's iron sights, probably. So, like, the rifle's, like, way more accurate than the pistol at 200 yards. But still, like, a, you know, you gotta be sitting still and, like, take a good, slow shot. You know, it's not like, it's not like Call of Duty where, you know, it's completely unfair. But um, one of his friends decided you know what I'm, I'm gonna put a stop to that rifle guy and so he 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 says but they tell of a western epitaph so like a graveyard trend, a graveyard a note on the grave here lies tom jones having committed suicide by betting a pistol against a rifle at 200 yards but bill says you know his friends his friends aren't pussies like the jones boys Using a little Kentucky windage, a steady hand, and a hard dick, he hit the rifle guy three times. But after the fight, somebody noticed that McCone, so Sam McCone is the dude, uh, McCone's pocket was bulging, puzzled. Sam thrust in an exploring hand. His pocket was full of fired cases. During the fight, even without realizing it, McCone, an old reloader, had saved every empty case. So what that's saying is that this dude, so reloading is when, you know, you basically, you don't buy ammo from the store. You buy the parts of the bullet and, you know, you you keep the brass shell casing and you reload it and you shoot it again, you shoot it again, you shoot it again. And, you know, so part of that involves collecting brass. Okay. Um, But that's so fucking crazy. We've heard that before, but like, that's like saying, that's like basically telling us that practice is, it's actually creating like an unconscious. So he didn't even realize creating an unconscious instinct that's like as powerful as a baby wanting to suck on the titty. So all we got to do is practice a lot. Now, again, this is where Bill offends everyone. And Bill would have been canceled for like for half the shit in this episode. But um, he wants to, wants to help us get over killing a bad guy. Well, thanks, Bill. What do you got to say on that? He says uh, it's sometimes hard to pull the trigger on another human being the first time. (laughs) Okay, Jesus Christ. To aid in overcoming this reluctance, it is helpful if you can will yourself to think of your opponent as a mere target and not as a human being. In this connection, you should go further and pick a spot on the target. This will allow better concentration and further remove the human element from your thinking. Now... I will try to defend him like a tiny bit. Like, I don't think he's necessarily saying like, become a sociopath and dehumanize the fucking enemy. I think what he's saying is that it's like deer hunting. You know, you see a deer and you're like, oh my fucking God. Well, the best thing you can do is you need to just look at it. And in your mind, you need to just use the pattern that you've practiced a lot of, oh, it's a deer target. And like for me this year, I got a deer target that looks like a deer. And so you know, I'll I don't shoot it all the time, but I'll do like a couple shots that I really, really want to be fucking good. And I will, you know, be like, okay, it's the biggest deer you've ever seen. Oh my god, your dick's gonna fall off. You got crabs. You don't have feet. Everybody's gonna kill you. Shoot the deer. And um, it it really does help. So what he what he's saying is that you know, like if you see a deer, you need to d- don't be like, oh fuck, it's dinner. You need to be like. Okay, just a, it's just my deer target. Hey, look, my dear target's moving today. I can still shoot it. Whatever, no problem. And so I think that's what he's saying. But then he gets a little crazy and like my defending him is completely gone because he, he says, if this works for you, try to continue this thought experiment that you were shooting a target after the fight is over. There's no point in allowing yourself to feel remorse. A man who will resist an officer with, with weapons has no respect for the rules by which decent people are governed. His removal is completely justified and should be accomplished dispassionately and without regret. Jesus Christ, Bill, Drain. <sighs> now, this next phrase, this quote, like, legit is the thing that I took away from this book five years ago that made me think Hey, read this book again, man. This book's good. So he tells the story of an old timer, so an old guy who, who gave Bill some great advice. And um, this is actually a phrase that I repeated to myself over and over, not over and over, like I'm not, I'm not crazy, but I, I repeated to myself uh, while I was doing pistol competitions. If you get in a gunfight, don't let yourself feel rushed. Take your time fast. Let me say it again. Take your time fast. Now, this advice is not always easy to follow when you are being shot at and constantly reminded by the whine of bullets that man, meaning you, are mortal. But all the knowledge that you will ever learn about gunfighting is summed up in those words. Think about that. He took you fucking that's that's a fucking book of five rings into a little phrase. Take your time fast when you really understand their full meaning you have come of age but think about that that applies that is the solution to all high pressure fast situations you know imagine that you're super late you know you got to get to work got to get to work and you're fumbling with your keys what do you do (laughs) well fuck you drop your keys they go through the grate and you kill yourself no take your time fast Take a breath, go as quick as you possibly can, You know, even allowing for the fact that your hands are shaking because you're so fucking late and you drank five cups of coffee and slowly put the key deep inside and turn, take your time fast. In order to follow this advice, mental discipline, the result of previous hard thinking is a must. And here's a little, and here a little applied psychology pays off. You must force yourself to the belief That your opponent is going to choke up and miss and all you have to do to win is keep cool and make your shot the first one a hit with the vast majority of us this attitude must be forced it's a rare individual that's a natural he responds to danger by turning into a machine and placing his shots as though indulging in private target practice so what he's saying is you know take your time fast but like the implication of that is you need to get your mind get your attitude to the to the idea that even if someone's shooting at you they are going to mess up you know you're like you know what i'm going to take i'm going to go as quick as i can i'm going to do me i'm going to do my process and i'm just going to assume that that person is not going to hit me because if you don't you're like oh fuck, pop, and you just like shoot your dick off and you drop your fucking gun he's saying take your time fast your movie type of gunfight where two men stalk towards each other seldom if ever happens most of the battles between officers and criminals have taken place under conditions at close range and poor light and have borne little resemblance to the personal duel now that's exactly right i don't know if you guys have seen this uh example but there's a video going around right now um i think it's from one of those ring doorbell cameras of a of a guy letting himself into his apartment you know you you hear him turn the key he's going into his apartment and he he is he's concealed carrying um but actually the way he's standing the way he's standing you can see his gun uh because he must have pulled his shirt up maybe he like he'd gotten spooked or you know he's just getting his shirt out of the way just in case and you can hear around the corner hey where's dante and that might not be like an exact quote it's something equally like stupid and and didn't apply to anything but um, at, at this time, uh, you know, at this at, at this time, this guy has his keys in his right hand, uh, and he's right-handed, but he, he does a super legit job of turning away from the bad guy and slowly draws his gun with his keys in his hand, so not ideal, but then the camera shows um, that that other guy, say he, so he comes around the corner like, hey, we're Dante, and the guy's like, hey, I don't know, man, and this guy says, he said, I don't know. As he's pulling out his own gun and this dude who you know kind of like surreptitiously turned away the good guy he uh, instinctively reacts with his keys still in his hand and one-handed starts shooting at this other guy just like just trying to go as quick as he can to start shooting before this guy shoots him and he ended up smoking him in the brain drank um, but apparently the vast majority of gunfights are closer to that than like the old West duel. Because Bill says, usually in such cases, both men will react spontaneously, going for their guns, if not already drawn, and shooting as quickly as possible. If this should occur at extreme close distance, powder burning distance, speed is of the essence. The man firing first will probably win, unless he gets in too big of a hurry and fires before he finishes drawing. In this situation, take your time fast applies pick the biggest easiest and softest target the middle and make your first shot good the amount of time you take and how fast you take it will depend almost entirely on the distance of your target a gunfight is not a sporting event rules of fair play do not apply if there's an advantage to be had use it you should pick a position and where any dazzling light will be to your back and in their eyes. That is eerily similar to Musashi. If you can't depend on a deadpan poker face remaining that way, smile. Then make your move and carry it all the way through. If force is required, use enough to do the job, use it first and without hesitation. Now for a few don'ts of gunfighting. Be sure that you have correctly identified your target then lock on and keep with it. Don't switch as long as your original target is available without a very good reason. Unless you are directly engaged in a close-range brawl where movement would draw immediate fire, don't stay in the same place after firing. Keep moving around. If using a flashlight, don't hold it in front of you when you turn it on. Hold it at arm's length to the side. Now, I don't know shit. I think there's like... Whatever you practice and you can consistently do, do that. You know, I don't feel like I would do it that way, but like, who am I to correct this man? And one more thing pure guts have won many a gunfight. The man who has enough determination is hard to put down. You can keep on fighting even if you are hit. If you make up your mind that you're going to get your bullet into the other man, you probably will do it. And maybe. That hit you took will turn out to not be so bad as you thought if you stop him and keep him from hitting you again. Doctors will tell you that many men give up and die from wounds that were superficial or which in any event should not have been fatal. So don't forget, with enough determination, you can win even when you appear to be losing. Just keep shooting. (sighs) Conclusion He mentions that he didn't really cover fundamentals here. Uh, What I've tried to do instead is to enter a field of professional marksmanship on which very little has been written by any competent authorities and to describe equipment, its care, and use in ways seldom if ever found in a textbook or offered in formal training courses. This brevity has been deliberate. I have tried to write in a way that there could be no misunderstanding of my meanings and so that reference could be made to any subject covered without undue search through a rubble of unnecessary verbiage. I put these words down in hope that it could be an aid to young officers, but some doubt intrudes. Looking back down the years of my career, I do not recall many instances where I heeded the advice of my elders preferring to as most young men did learn from my own mistakes the only trouble with this trial and error method as regards to training of an officer is the is the inordinate amount of good luck required to complete the course he's saying you can't learn from trial or error in gunfighting because the or error equals either death or they shoot your dick off so you gotta learn from him To persons leading a more sedentary life, who chance to read these words, a small glimpse into the lives of men who stand watch while you sleep should have been afforded. To the lawmen of the future, I believe that the principles discussed herein will be of meaning in your time. Not as historic data, but as a living text to aid officers in carrying out their duties in the world to come. Man has traveled far, but I do not foresee a time when his combative, covetous nature will not cause the less restrained to run afoul with authority. He's saying, yeah, we're all sophisticated, but we're still going to need to vaccinate the criminals with bullets. So although the weapons of tomorrow may become more sophisticated, and the locale may be literally out of this world, I have confidence that the lawman's ancient adversary will still be in operation and that he will still resent the placing of a curb on his larcenous or murderous impulses to a positive degree. In which case, may this book help you. Good hunting. Oh my God. What savagery. What unadulterated truth. We started with deja vu. We've been here before. And then we asked, imagine how many Musashis have lived and died, learned the secrets of the way, and were lost to time. If we could do our part to keep the fire alive, would we? And that is what we've been doing here learning, but also remembering a great man, a true kusei mono in the full sense of the word, and to realize. But if we're feeling good about ourselves or we think, you know, we can just chill. Remember, according to Bill Jordan, if you can't do a sub half second draw, you don't even know how to use a pistol. And to remember that people like Bill Jordan once walked the fucking earth, setting the standard, carrying the torch. And at least for me, I think it'd be a goddamn shame if we pussied out and let that torch go dark. Amen. And that's my pretties, is another episode down of the Curiously Disagreeable podcast. Check us out at CuriouslyDisagreeable.com, the Troy Hollings on Instagram, or wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. The end.